When I was young, I used to bump crossroads at the intersection. Similarly, syllables rip them faster than a millisecond. Opposite of the pulling guard, hit them with the misdirection. These rappers sting somebody, get them a fresh breath. Man. These boys, rookies like orientation with 10 freshmen. Spitting whack written, good riddance, that's a death sentence. Defend the throne, pull a model with the interception. Gun laws non-existent, unlimited Smith and West. I put on for my poly people across the globe A small number, but we worth more than a pot of gold My first love was a cush blunt in an optimo Until I met my baby, I told Jane, you gotta go Grow from sea, flow poetry, family straight Never catch me with a groupie hoe, that's a sad mistake Hit the studio, ladies and real people can relate to No matter how good you do, some people still gon' hate you Stay faithful, this is fate, I was born in Mason Captain of your own ship, watch What's up everyone, and welcome back to the 2-on-1 Fantasy Sports Podcast I'm your commish, Tommy Mo, And you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at 2-on-1-FFB, and today, I'm bringing you another off-season episode presented by the Undroppables Network of Podcasts and brought to you by AnalystDepot.com. They're making fantasy analysis easy with all the tools you need to create rankings and player data, all with the help of Projection AI. Go check it out, AnalystDepot.com. And on today's show, we're going to talk about rookie running back prospects. And joining me, are two of my favorite film grinders, two guys that really know the game of football and know what to look for when evaluating college players. First up is a relatively new guy to the fantasy football community on Twitter, but he's already a veteran of the game. When it comes to his, his analysis and his insight on players, he's the co-founder of CampusToCanton.com, the co-host of the Devi Debate podcast, and the host of the Sharp Review podcast. And I knew this guy was awesome the minute I heard him on the Sharp Review podcast. That's a great, great show and someone I need to connect with. So you can find him on Twitter at Sharp Review. That's Sharp with an E at the end of the P. What's up, Felix? Welcome to the two-on-one. Tommy Mo, my my defensive brother in arms. I'm glad I get to chop it up with you today. Um, I really got a lot of respect for the undroppables. You, of course, Nick, uh, Jax, you guys are like extended family in this community to me. So um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. But thanks for thanks for bringing me in. Yeah, bro. We we I've I had to bring you on this show. Um, you know, we've been talking prospects uh this offseason for the upcoming coming nfl draft and um like i said man i we've connected pretty early on um and i, I just knew like oh man this guy this guy's great I, I love what you have to say i love your shows um it's great to see the growth with with cameron to canton and um once you kind of talk about um i guess just kind of introduce people that don't know you that don't know your background um why uh, you have the insight that you have about football. Um, and, and then, you know, what's going on with Camden to Canton? Campus to Canton. It's funny because I, I didn't consider it insight until, you know, I kind of came on to the community and just kind of started talking. And people, you know, like yourself would kind of have respect for what I had to say. But I mean, I'm a football lifer. I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, my uncle played in the NFL for 12 years, was a three time pro bowler, you know, one time all pro, left tackle for the, uh, Arizona Cardinals. And so I can remember 
being at my grandmother's house when the Cardinals would come to 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 the line to Detroit to play, and uh, the whole team being there, me, you know, running around the house. I mean, that was early. I mean, that was yeah, probably like in 1993, 1999. I was probably like five, six years old at the time. But I have always loved the game. I played uh, Division II college football at Grand Valley State University, two-time national champion. Um, had some NFL guys uh, playing w- that I played with. Most notably, probably is uh, Brandon Carr, cornerback nice. for the 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 Cowboys, the Chiefs, the the Ravens. Yeah. Um, you know, my head coach Brian Kelly, who's at Notre Dame now, started at at Grand Valley before he went okay. to Central and Cincinnati. Then. Than Notre Dame uh, and my head coach Chuck Martin went to Notre Dame with him um, when he first went to Notre Dame, but now he's the head coach at Miami of Ohio. But um, I, you know, I've like I said, I've always uh, have loved the game. Uh, I've loved watching film. Um, any 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 uh, piece of the game that I could get, I wanted to get involved with. And now I've got uh, CampusToCanton.com. And if you haven't played in the Campus to Canton league. It's it's the best format. It's the it's best. It's a must. Format, so yeah, yeah, and then reach out to Felix too, if uh, and and his crew over there, if you are playing in those leagues and you need some help, because I'm playing in my first and doing my first draft, and yeah, as much as I've been playing Dynasty and Redraft for all these years, that is a whole different beast playing in the Debbie League like that. And, and yeah, you got to know your stuff, man. And and it's great to hear that background uh, for when you were growing up, um, you know, having those football players around you, it's such a big influence. And then, you know, like me, you know, I, I play college football as well. So that's like the insight that I, I instantly kind of gravitated to you, you know, like it, we talked about before the yeah. show, like another fisherman can spawn another fisherman a mile away. And so uh, it, it just, the way you talked about stuff, the way your, your mind's already wired to the game of football. Um, it is definitely what I gravitated to. And, and so I'm glad that we connected and yeah, I'm stoked to have you here. And so yeah, appreciate a, it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's bring on our second guest. Um, you know, and he's a guy I've been following for a while now on Twitter. Uh, he's the host of the fantasy film lab. You can find him, uh, find that in video form on YouTube. Uh, and as a podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, his film analysis is excellent. And, and he's part of one of, uh, my favorite groups, the fantasy football astronauts now, uh, and, you know, go over there and subscribe to the YouTube channel today, but you can find him on Twitter at J Moyer FB. What's up, Jay? Welcome to the two on one. Uh, what's up fellas. Thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to this talk for a while. Anytime we get to talk some, uh, running backs, let alone, you know, some off season talk about football when it's a little more rare. Uh, really excited. And uh, this rookie class, you know, it doesn't quite have that top end talent, but uh, definitely some interesting evaluations to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's partly why I wanted to bring both of you on here, because when, you know, on the surface level, it, it looks really good. You know, there, there's a lot of guys there that have some talent, but when you dive into it a little bit more, when you a- analyze the tape a little bit more, uh, especially in a year where there is no combine. So, you know, numbers are kind of all over the place with, with testing and metrics. Um, I, I feel like the film analysis really takes a step up in precedent of, of what you're really going to see when you're evaluating these guys. And, and Jay, for, for those that don't know, Jay, I mean, um, you're, you're really missing out. So I, that's, that's how it is. I mean, you need to follow him on Twitter. His insight, his analysis is phenomenal. Uh, like I said, that YouTube channel, um, and, the the fancy film lab is, is great. So, um, Jay, for those that do happen to not know you, can you give a little bit of your background, uh, what makes you such a, a good film analysis? Like what, what drives your analysis when you're looking at these prospects? 
Uh, you know, similar to, to what Felix was saying, just really have spent my whole life uh, in love with football since, you know, elementary school, really. Or even when I was three years old, my dad asked me what I want to be when I grew up. And I said, a football player. And he said, what position? I said, linebacker. So <laughs> that gives you some insight into where my mind was at back then. Um, but actually started playing fantasy football when I was eight, uh, all the way back in 1993. Wow. Joined my first first actual dynasty league. And I think it might be the oldest dynasty league around. It's a league my dad started in 1988. And it's still going to this day continuously. So a uh, pretty cool piece of, of fantasy football yeah. history there. Uh, was it called a, a dynasty league or just kind of like it kept going and morphed into a dynasty? Because like dynasty leagues, like the name, right, hasn't been around that long. Like that, that's definitely yeah, the longest one I've seen heard of. We did not call it a dynasty league at first. Uh, we, In fact, it's still not officially titled dynasty league. Uh, what we called it was a perennial football league, as in, you know, renews itself every year. Uh, but same thing, you know, entire rosters turnover. Once you get a guy on your team, he's on your team until you trade him or release him. Uh, it's it's a bit of a relic in terms of the scoring system, et cetera. But that adds to a bit of the to a bit of the charm. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's that's really where I developed my love of the game, and then started playing when I was a little bit older, um, and actually coached after finishing high school football. I went to to Cal, UC Berkeley. Nice. Um, and didn't make it on the team there. So I started coaching at a local high school, um, coached for seven years, mostly offensive line, uh, a few years of, uh, of coordinating the offense and really, uh, you know, a year or two spent at most positions, whether it's running back, quarterback, receiver, some stuff on the defensive side. So it was a pretty cool opportunity just to learn a lot more specifics about just how football works in general. Yeah. And that's really where, I learned. And then even after that, you know, I stopped coaching around 2010 uh, just because of school and work, et cetera. But since then, just have actually probably will definitely know a lot more now than I did even when I was coaching, just because I just love the game and like studying it. And, uh, you know, even things like Twitter, you get on there and you see a lot of people that have the same interests and yeah. you start learning more and more. And it's such a great resource in that way. Um, and then, you know, started making these these videos just because I. I went on Twitter trying to find things like what I make now. And I was like, oh, man, I, I don't see it. So wanted to start doing it. And the stuff I really like to do uh, that I don't always have as much time for because of my my day job are sort of those, uh, you know, like hyper focused on just little small aspects of play where I can get into actual breakdowns where I, I like annotate the play and, yeah. uh, you know, pause it here and there and just talk about little things. Uh, especially within the run game. I think my background as an offensive line coach for so many years uh, mm -hmm. really just developed an interest in, in blocking schemes and how running backs uh, work within the, the blocking scheme. And I think, you know, running backs are a bit disrespected. Uh, it's probably the toughest position in running back to play. And these guys don't get paid very much relative to most NFL players. And, you know, the whole the whole analytics and, and smart football community, I guess <laughs> you could call it, uh, you know, they take they take pleasure when these guys sign, uh, you know, small deals or get cut or what have you. So, you know, I, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder for these guys. So I like to show uh, sort of the finer points of the game and what they're doing just because I really, really appreciate that stuff. Yeah.
Yeah, that's interesting too about the O line stuff. Um, me and Brad Wire from the Droppables, uh, he does all our O line rankings. Uh, so we and we started a podcast this past season uh, called Unsung Heroes, which is just talking about offensive line, defensive line. But from that perspective of like, you know, that's where it all starts. It all starts in the trenches. And, you know, when you're looking uh, to give you another edge, you know, to fantasy because there's all this other information out there, like you're saying, um, you know, really looking at those matchups between the O-line and D-line can give you that edge in certain matchups um, you know, or for certain running backs that may or may not have a good week because of that matchup. Um, but so, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it really does matter. I think you see that being an O-line coach. Um, but then also because it does matter so much the o-line play does matter so much yeah like you're saying the running backs get disrespected in a way because like oh their o-line's so good so they can't be that good but you know you can open up a hole you know as wide as you want but you still got to run through it right you still got to have the guy that's going to see that hole see the hole develop see how it's changing and, and find the crease and get in there and so it's it, it's funny on Twitter because because it is so focused on the skill positions that like people forget how much the non-skill positions affect the game, or at least I feel like people forget how much the non-skill positions affect the game so much. And it's, um, I don't know, it, it's just cool to hear. I, did, I had no idea about your offensive line background. So that's really cool for me to hear because I played O-line in high school and D-line and then and then just focus on defensive line in college. And And it was nice to just have one side to think about, but at the same time, all that other experience I had as an alignment helped, you know, to, to be a blocker. Like you're saying, you went to coach defense. I'm sure that helps translate to how you're coaching, how you're evaluating players. Cause now on the offensive side, cause now you understand it better. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, as, as an offensive coordinator, my experience coaching, cause I coach mostly linebackers and defensive backs. So really my experience with uh, understanding coverages and coverage rules really helps you figure out ways to attack. Um, so that's definitely there. And then getting back to some of the other stuff you said, I mean, the offensive line and the, and the stuff in the trenches is, in my opinion, like by far the most overlooked uh, component and possible edge in fantasy football, both in terms of understanding how offensive offensive lines have gotten better or worse during the offseason mm-hmm. and being able to, uh, you know, anticipate changes in production. You look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, 2019 had this huge year. 2020, their offense wasn't quite as successful. And in my opinion, it wasn't that Jackson took a step back or defenses figured them out. It's just in 2019, they had one of the best offensive lines in the game. Uh, Marshall Yanda, who mm-hmm. may or may not make it to the Hall of Fame, but is you know an all-pro caliber guard, retired. They didn't really have anyone to replace him. And their offense you know, is very run-heavy a lot of gap style run plays where, you know, you really need those power blocking offensive linemen. Uh, And then Lamar just didn't have quite as much time to throw. So it was somewhat foreseeable that their offense may not be as efficient uh, because of the changes they had on their O-line. And I think it's just a huge opportunity for, uh, for fantasy players. And really it's, it's tough to even take advantage of because like you said, there's not that much out there. Uh, You know, you, you guys do have someone doing it, like you said, and that's, one of maybe two or three guys out there, you know, right. uh, <laughs> partly, <laughs> so, you know, Brandon, Brandon Thorne does a good job over on the athletic, but it's not yeah. necessarily fantasy focused. Uh, but you know, it's only really a handful of guys. And even me with the, with the background coaching that stuff, I don't focus on it because in my opinion, while it's interesting to watch, it's not quite as entertaining as these, right. as these runners, uh, you know, ever since Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith back in the day, I've really had a thing for running backs. Um, 
but but definitely, man, definitely agree that that O line and understanding that O line D line dynamic is, is such a big uh, potential opportunity for for people playing fantasy football. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, you know, for those that don't know, Jay, uh, fairly recently, right? Like, got hooked up with the fantasy football astronauts. That's you were doing your own thing before that, right? If I'm not mistaken, I'm, I was trying to look at what you had done before uh, getting over at the astronauts. But um, that marriage I, I, or teaming up, I think, is a great uh, a great team over there. Um, and, and you know, the guy, the film room over there is is phenomenal. But you guys just put out uh, your draft guide today. Is that right? Yeah, so started uh, doing stuff with the astronauts. Uh, you can find us at ffastronauts.com. Well, actually, last year, sort of at the beginning of the NFL season, a uh, couple guys over there that that I really got to know, and they do, I think, a, a really great job with both film and analytics analysis. Uh, so, you know, like Jetpack Galileo is his Twitter handle. Um, RB Keeney, Ryan Keeney is, a, is an analytics guy who really is not too – uh, set in one way, you know, very curious mind. And I, I think just the, the meld of stuff they had going on there spoke to me. Before that, I was writing articles over on Matt Waldman's site, which is mattwaldmanrsp.com. You can still find the the stuff I did for him up over there, a lot of like video breakdown uh, with, you know, some written stuff to go along with it. And yeah, we did just put out our, our 2021 rookie guide today. You can find that at ffastronauts.com. Uh, it's behind a paywall, and then you can also access it through the Fantasy Football Astro- Astronauts uh, Patreon. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a living guide, so we're continuing to add to it and improve to it every day. Uh, right now, really, you know, focused on giving as much depth on the, the top prospects as possible uh, rather than going, like, 15 deep at quarterback. You know, we really went deep on those on those top five guys. Uh, because, you know, for fantasy football purposes, other than, you know, those Debbie leagues, those very deep roster things where, you know, probably a lot of people on this that are listening to this are in those types of leagues. Uh, and obviously, you know, Felix does a great job with that type of stuff. Um, appeals to the more, I guess you would say, uh, you know, standard dynasty league player. Yeah. So, but <clears throat> I think where, where we really provide something unique is just having the analytics and the film and for the film stuff, you know, it's it's very detailed stuff. So it's it's if you've seen my breakdowns and then if you've seen what the stuff Jetpack does on wide receivers. So I took quarterbacks and running backs. He took receivers and tight ends. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's you know, it's not we try to avoid generalizations and really get down to specific components of players games. Uh, I mean, I think it I think it's a pretty cool product. So if people uh, check it out, man. Thank you. I think they'll, I think they'll well, be Jay, let me let me give you a nod because my first interaction with you talking about the specifics of a player's game is I was um doing some research on Nikhil Harry. And I think I found uh just by YouTubing, um, you had like a 10-minute video that essentially covered like four steps in the entire <laughs> video. And it was exactly, exactly what I was looking for on uh, out routes. Uh, Nikhil Harry running out routes and how he kind of faded uh, on, on his out routes. And you predicted that that would be an issue. And lo and behold, as high as the dynasty community was on Nikhil Harry and even going number one overall in that class, yep. he has not been a productive player. So um, I just wanted to give you that nod. It just um, the level of detail that you go to 
uh, in your analysis. So th- that's why I've gravitated towards. Uh, to, I've been following you at least since I want to say since like 2018, maybe late 2018 or so. Uh, yeah, I think that was probably the off season, but between the 2018, 2019 seasons when I first got on there. But thanks, man. Those are kind words. We all have our hits. We all have our misses. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that was a big concern of mine with Harry is just he wasn't a detailed route runner at all. And, uh, you know, have you as you've seen in the NFL, especially with the Patriots, where their offense is so detail oriented, he's had a, a tough time catching on. And I think that's probably the, where I've learned to apply the film analysis the most is not like saying, you know, Nikhil Harry's good or he's bad, but saying, look, th- here's an issue, you know, his issue right. with, with attention to detail on his routes. And when you go and you're playing with Tom Brady in the Patriots offense, like that, that becomes somewhat of a fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it really helps to understand scheme fit. If you do your player evaluation, your film evaluation in terms of like asking, you know, what's this guy good at? where his weakness is, and then try to project that and say, you know, what what teams or what schemes would he fit in really well? Um, because, you know, if Nikhil Harry was in like an air raid style attack where there's a lot of short passing, you know, run after the catch, uh, not, not super simple routes, but a little bit more simple, a little less detail oriented than the Patriots, you know, that's somewhere where he could really thrive uh, in, in the short game. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, in my opinion, helps you understand you know especially after the landing spots are decided you know what what can we expect from this guy will he struggle uh is he a good scheme fit uh so that's really you know how i've evolved to to apply my film analysis the most yeah and i feel like that was such a bad scheme fit for him um I, I was definitely high on Nikhil, um, not not as wide receiver one or overall 101 like some people had him, uh, but but yeah, to go to a spot where it doesn't fit his style of play, or at least what he's good at, uh, definitely, you know, we've seen be a detriment. So uh, hopefully he still has uh, some potential to either land somewhere else and, and do well or I don't know, just figure it out. But, but you know, that's why I wanted to bring you both on this show because you both have a great experience with the game. Um, great minds, in my opinion, of how you look at the game um, and, and how you're applying your fantasy football analysis to to what you're seeing. And so, um, for first up for for our, our pod today, um, I, I've been doing recent NFL transactions. So each week there's new new news, and it's getting less and less as we move along uh, closer to the NFL draft, which is gosh, it's like less than two weeks away. I'm so excited to do it, especially with the undroppables undraftathon that we have going on. Uh, that whole weekend is going to be great. We have a great lineup of guests, including Felix Sharp, who's joining me here today. And so, um, you know, for for some recent NFL transactions, um, top of my list. And, you know, I talked about on the last episode, uh, and that's James Conner signing with the Cardinals. And so, uh, Felix, what do you think about this signing, um, both from James Conner's value and potential outlook? Um, and, and now, unfortunately, Chase Edmonds. And also, do you think they're going to draft someone else, or, or are they set now with these two guys? Well, I mean, we're going to talk about the running back class, but I think the James Conner signing essentially insulates Chase Edmonds' value. Chase has, Chase, I like Chase Edmonds. I really do. Um, but he's not somebody you're going to give 20 touches to. So they get James Conner, who can provide some balance to him, and then – 
this running back class isn't particularly strong. So I don't think that – I mean, there's like two or three guys that you may be worried about. If they if the Cardinals took uh, took them, you worry about Chase Edmonds' value. But at least this signing at least signals to me that they're not going to take one of those guys. Now, no, now Jonathan Ward – is still there in Arizona, and he got some run last year. A dynamic, you know, dual, dual. I would call him a dual threat as far as uh, he can be u- utilized in the passing game. That's a real strength of his coming out of Central Michigan. Um, so, I mean, th- that's kind of my thoughts. We might get to the end of the draft, and that uh, Arizona running back depth chart hasn't really changed that much. So, if you've got Chase Edmonds, you know, he could be a, a, a late or excuse me, a uh, um, uh, uh, low-end RB2, especially with his pass-catching ability, if he's going to be kind of the – the get some of the, the first and second down touches and be utilized yeah. on third down. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what's a one-year contract, too, for James Conner, so it's not – you know, they're not investing a lot into him. And he's had his issues with, with being injured, but we've seen some flashes of greatness um, in that scheme, uh, JDC – um James being productive coming back and and having a resurgence fantasy wise and being someone maybe more for redraft purposes um that is worth drafting um and and taking a shot on for for one year yeah I mean my my big concern with Connor has always been around his injuries because and not not just that he's had injuries so you worry about that but really his his playing style uh you know, something I look at is just how these guys really manage contact. And you get running backs like Zeke or Dalvin Cook who do what, what I call micro-movement, a term I borrowed from Matt Waldman. Uh, and it's just little ways, that, you know, they turn their shoulder, get an elbow around a guy, you know, get down before they get hit big, but really controlling the contact. And James Conner is a guy who just does not do that very well. He takes a lot of square hits. And I think in the NFL, you just have such physical defenders that if you're not able to really protect yourself as a running back, you end up getting a lot of just wear and tear injuries. You know, he's at shoulders, he's at ankles, uh, stuff like that. And, and you know, when, when that all builds and you get a little bit older as a running back, one, it slows you down a little bit. Two, NFL teams aren't really looking to rely on an older guy with with big injury history. So he gets a one-year deal for not that much money. Uh, and while I love to analyze running backs from a talent perspective, I think that the way talent really manifests itself is in earning opportunity and that you can get a wind- window into the opportunity that teams foresee for these guys by looking at their contracts. And, you know, one year deal with, you know, is very low. So I think it was one and a quarter million. They don't see him as a starter. They don't see him as a bell cow. Uh, you know, it's a depth signing. So, could he take over and have a Chase Edmonds, James Conner, you know, sort of one-two punch where Conner's the goal line back? Sure, I think that's probably if, – if he were to have fantasy success, that's probably yeah. the role where it would be most likely. Uh, do I think it takes off – you know, removes from the table the possibility to draft a guy? Uh, you know, not not sure about that. I think the, the door's still open, although I agree with what Felix said. I don't think that they're going to be searching specifically to fill that spot. Right. Yeah. And before the signing, I think I had mocked um, at least either Najee or Travis to to Arizona, you know, them being a, a running back. And now with the signing, like I'm going to throw that mock draft away because who knows what's going to happen now, uh, what they're going to do in the first round, because there's definitely some other needs. Um, 
But yeah, and the other guy that that got signed running back wise um, is Giovanni Bernard to to the Buccaneers. Um, going to a super crowded running back room, and and not like Gio was, you know, someone that we were really super high on, especially for dynasty. Uh, you know, maybe a plug and play guy to, at the right time. Um, but now, uh, I mean, uh, do do either of you do any of you see any value now for uh, for Gio going to the Bucks, um, trying to you know. I can't imagine trying to trade uh, away or for him at this point, but um, you know, what do you think his outlook would be now with that team? Well, I mean, we've seen Bruce Arians do this before with older running backs. I mean, remember Chris Johnson was kind of like an afterthought and then he signs with the Cardinals and Bruce Arians and kind of has that one resurgent season. Mm -hmm. Um, We could see something similar with Giovanni Bernard um, given that offense is so explosive um, and it's going to be explosive again next year, there's just so much to account for. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of options in that backfield, but Giovanni, let's see. I mean, is Leonard Fournette still there? Is Fournette still there? Technically. We, um... yeah. <laughs> Fournette, Gio, and then obviously Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, if you're going to use a running back out of the backfield, I would think that it would be um, a geo out of those three. So, you know, running backs who that uh, running backs who catch passes always hold some kind of value, at least to me. And yeah. the, the Buccaneers are going to be the best team that that geo has been on. So maybe he doesn't have like I'm trading a second round pick for him. But if you're a contender. And, you know, you're at the end of the first round and somebody wants to trade up to get, you know, some developmental tight end. Yeah, I would I would take uh, uh, Gio Bernard as a depth as a, as a depth piece, depth piece on my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good point about Arians um, and, and, and about Chris Johnson. Um, I just I hated that Buccaneers backfield to begin with. And I, I don't like it uh, even more now with Gio just because there's so many people there. And not that Gio is the talent that that Chris Johnson ever was. But, <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. Just just to that. say that we've we've seen we've seen Bruce take these uh, these older players and, and give them a role. I mean, he, right. he, had, he got LaShawn McCoy on that team last year, even though McCoy didn't do anything. So, right, right. Yeah. And so uh, another offensive signing. Um, super. Hey, rare. Can I weigh oh, in yeah. on that Geo talk for a second? I'm in there, Joy, Jay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think he's a, P, a bit of a PPR dart throw. And that you know, Tom Brady. One of the issues in adapting that offense early in the season was that they didn't really have a reliable running back who could work routes underneath, not just checkdowns, but also uh, you know d- downfield routes like option routes, stuff like that. Um, James White obviously had that role for the past few years while Brady was in New England and, you know, got a ton of volume. And so I think that's probably something Brady values in the offense. And this is Brady's offense uh, just as much as it's Arians. You know, they did a great job as the season wore on of really meshing their two styles. But I think probably that's just something Brady was missing the whole season, especially as it related to avoiding some of the hits, uh, you know, being able to check it down to a reliable receiver when there's pressure. So, I, I mean, you know, GL for me is head and shoulders above those other receivers. I mean, other running backs as a receiver, not in terms of explosiveness or playmaking ability, but just reliability. Yeah. You know, he's a guy who's going to be very reliable, and that's what Tom Brady wants. He's a guy who – he wants a guy who he knows he's going to be where he needs to be because when he's throwing it to him, it's when he's rushed, right, and he doesn't have time 
to really go through his whole progression. He's like, all right, if they come with this blitz here, you know, my escape route is that running back. So he wants a guy who's going to be where he needs to be when that happens. And he doesn't have to, you know, double check to make sure Ronald Jones is where he's supposed to be because, you know, Rojo's a little more explosive. And he, you know, when he had an opportunity last year with good blocking, he showed what he can do in the open field. Uh, but really his, his, the thing that holds him back as a player is he's just a bit of a wild card in terms of where he's going to be on a given play. Uh, right. So I think Bernard could carve a role. And mostly, like you said, uh, Tommy, I think that it probably just takes a little bit of value away from everybody more than being like a functional fantasy starter or anything like that. Yeah, good pickup for for real football, not as great for for fantasy football. Yeah, Jay, as you, as you were talking about that and what Tom Brady looks for, and running back a check down guy I, i'm just getting the replay of the the video of uh a james white running i think it was an angle route or something you know as he's running by tom tom's telling him the route you know and it's like a, you know three yard check down whatever it was you know and and, and there's simpatico like that just picking up on each other um i i could see if geo gets there early develops that rapport uh with tom because you know everything with with tom brady is, is is uh relationship and chemistry you know and if he could develop that um that, that could be a really interesting role for him, like you're saying. And, um, yeah, like Felix was saying, too, like a, a later dart throw and see um, when's a good time to start. Maybe not, you know, he's never really every week starter unless someone was injured, uh, but someone worth uh, throwing in there at the right time. Um, yeah, definitely could be be a good uh, good good pickup for them. Um, I mean, let, let's not forget, didn't James White have, like, 20-something catches in Super Bowl, whatever? What, <laughs> right, yeah. 50? The one, so you know, you know, yeah. Gio Bernard could have a game where he where he pops for something Real like similar. that. Similar, so. yeah, yeah. I always like when Gio got in there too at, at Cincinnati, and so um, I think he was also on. Uh, was it? I think he was on Hard Knocks the, when they did the Hard Knocks on the Bengals. You know, and it was just this kid that was like trying to make the team, and and now, um, yeah, he could be in a good position to if they make another run at the Super Bowl, be a guy that can really help them get there. Um, Another guy, uh, just offensive uh, player that as I was scrolling the list, uh, Thaddeus Moss is still out there getting picked up by the Bengals. Um, still hoping he can make a, make a team and do something. Definitely not a fantasy asset at all. Another just big name signing is Jadavion Clowney signing with the Browns. Um, that that's a huge pickup for them. If you know Jadavion can can be the guy that. He's always um, shown us he can be. Um, it's just always interesting that he keeps getting pushed around the league and uh, ending up on these new teams. I'm curious if it's a, I don't know, a contract or a personality issue. Um, but yeah, that that that's pretty much it for for transactions. There's not a lot going on. I'm sure we'll see more uh, as we get closer to the draft. Um, some changes, you know, that will they'll shake up draft day a little bit. I'm sure that that will happen. Um, but before we get to our running back prospects and the reason why we're here today talking uh, on the Two on One Fantasy Sports Podcast, uh, let's do a quick quick break for a quick ad read for one of our sponsors. There is no off-season for style and comfort with over 600 fancy football t-shirts, hats, and hoodies to choose from. You can find a design that fits you. Each piece of apparel has been tried and tested with great brands such as Champion, Next Level, and FlexFit. From Air IU to Zero running back in with over 25 fancy brands as part of the football collective. Find your fit today at VeridianGlobal.com. And I'm rocking my D-Wall shirt from Viridian Global today. I love those guys. They do great stuff, especially the hat, too. Um, so, yeah, running back prospects. Felix, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give me your top five 
running back prospects and the reasons why. And I'm sure as you go along, we'll jump in to ask you why you have him there. Um, free, feel, feel free to start from one to five or five to one, whatever you, uh, whatever you like. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll start, you know, be dramatic. Um, I'll start with number five. My number five is Trey Sermon. And, um, you know, the transfer from Oklahoma going to Ohio State and had a really good season. Uh, he's Matt Waldman's number one running back in the class overall. So that's quite an endorsement. Um, I really like size at the position. I like size. I like big athletes who can catch the football. And so, you know, save for um, uh, uh, Travis Etienne, all of my running backs are um, a little, little bit bigger. That's my number five. Number four, I've got uh, number four. I've got Ramondre Stevenson, another Oklahoma kid. Came out of uh, was it Cerrito Cerritos College? Cerritos College. Yard. Yep. JUCO Cerritos. kid. Yes, JUCO kid ran for two thousand yards after missing. Um, hit the first year out of high school with a, a kind of a broken foot and academic issues. Um, I just really like his game and I really like his athleticism. I don't really care um, uh, what he tested at, but he's also a good pass blocker and he is competent in the passing game Um, at his, I'm hoping that he gets, you know, day third round, fourth round draft capital. Um, That would get me even more excited about him. And I mean, the thing about Ramondre Stevenson is, is Oklahoma had him listed, I think at 247 last year. And then he goes to the senior bowl and he weighs in at 228. So that's a dramatic, a really dramatic weight, Mm -hmm. um, uh, weight fluctuation. Um, he 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 has to get used to that body type playing in that body type and, and the other thing is is he started this season late so uh because he was suspended after the bowl game he was suspended for the first portion of this season so this i think that he's kind of always been working himself into football shape all that being said i really like Ramondre Stevenson so he's number 4 for me um number 3 is is Travis Etienne but Man, that's a tentative three because the more I'm, uh, Jay, you've put out videos on Travis Etienne and the things that you um, don't like about his game, and I'll let you speak to that. But that's had an influence on me. Um, and then obviously number two and number one are I got number two Javante Williams um, and number number three Najee Harris. I've got Najee number one. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily an elite back. I think he's a well-rounded back. I've compared him to Fred Jackson. If people people remember Fred Jackson for the Love Fred Jackson. for the Bills, yeah, Fred Jackson for the Bills and for the uh, the Seahawks, just a well-rounded player. But the thing that I love about Najee Harris's his game is we've seen we see running backs like you know play um, wide receiver and and. Um, uh, kind of do some things in the short passing game, but I think you could legitimately motion out Najee Harris and throw back shoulder fades to him. He's 6'2", mm-hmm. 230 pounds. Like, I don't know that there's another running back that you would, as good as Christian McCaffrey is in the passing game, I don't know necessarily that you're seeing him do that, but Najee right. Harris can, and that that um, receiving ability is such a plus Hopefully he goes to a, a, an offense that can use it, but it's such a plus that he's my number one, my number one back. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, the I love what you're saying too about uh, sliding him out and throwing fades. Uh, I think it was Ian Book. They were interviewing him on NFL Live uh, on NFL Network, and, and he was talking about when they were in passing league tournaments. And I, I don't know if uh, – because Najee's from like – 
I don't call it the Bay Area, but he's from uh, Central California, uh, Northern California. Um, and, and I don't know if Ian Book's from there too, but somehow they were in pass leagues together and he was saying that Najee was their uh, their wide receiver and was running wide receiver routes for them in seven on seven. And so, yeah, I mean, he he has that receiving ability out of that size. I wish he had a little bit more speed, but, but I love that. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking about, let's say you're in the, in the red zone and you often see this with tight ends where yes. the tight end will be attached and then they will motion the tight end yes. to the outside and throw a face. They did it with Jeremy Shockey all the time. They do it. Yeah. They'll, they'll, just imagine <laughs> Najee being in the backfield and you go motion him out to, I mean, he, and he's six two. He will, he can right. out catch your linebackers. So um, that's something I would, I would love to see personally. Yeah, that'd be great. I, yeah. The right landing spot for him, I think could do uh, wonders too. And um the, the one guy that you mentioned that I'm like way lower on, so I was very interested to hear what you had to say was Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I, I don't like his game um, overall. There's things I like about his game. I just find some inconsistencies. Um, I, I should have more love for him because I'm a Juco kid too, and, and Cerritos College is not far from me. Um, and, and then I, actually, I think it was Jay that was talking to uh, Matt on Matt Waldman's last podcast about Ramondre too. So I was like very interested to hear you guys' takes on him. Um, but but for me, I'm like way lower on them. But is it more like is it more of a size thing? Like you're saying, like that's what you value more in your rankings, or um, the potential that he could have in the NFL? Um, why you have him as high as you have him? Well, there are some, I mean, like Trey Regis is big, so it's not just size. I mean, it's his size adjusted athleticism. It's his ability to move. I mean, he's 225 pounds and he runs like a back that's 205 pounds. Um, So it's just his, his lateral agility and quite frankly, his contact balance there, Matt, speaking of Matt Waldman, Matt, showed a video against Texas Tech where Ramondre is bouncing off of a ta- of a defensive tackle at the goal line. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you're talking about a running back bouncing off yeah. a defensive tackle at the goal line. So, um there so one his size adjusted athleticism, being able being that big and be able being able to move the way he does, but also um his pass protection ability and you would hope that he can pass protect being that size and then he is a competent receiver i think that that's an underrated at he has like natural soft hands and again he's not going to be used like in the vertical passing game but he is a competent receiver so yeah he can catch yeah he just reminded me of legarrett blunt and i don't know if that was a good or a bad thing um at least coming out of college, uh, I, I really like Legarrette Blunt, um, but just somewhat limited. I guess not. The the very first thing I wrote about him was like I feel like he'd be great in a Thunder and Lightning situation. You know, where he wasn't necessarily the lead dog, but was switching up uh, in a good rotation with another back that was a little bit smaller and faster. Not necessarily a scat back, but um, but yeah. But that that's my take on it. I, I I really appreciate your take on it, Felix, and, and curious what Jay has to say about his top five guys. Yeah, so I'll start uh, from bottom up as well. And, uh, you know, first one I think will be a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, Felix already hinted at it a little bit, but uh, that's where I have uh, Travis at the end. Uh, and just to clarify, wow. these are these are my fantasy rankings rather yeah. than, my, you know, film, like football skill rankings. Uh, because especially for running backs, those two things are often going to be different. Uh, so Etienne is a guy that, uh, based on my film study of him, I have him just much lower than consensus, but he still cracks my top five just because where he's going to go. You know, he's going to get drafted early. 
especially relative to a lot of these guys. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that he has useful components of his game to where, you know, most running backs who get drafted early are going to get a good amount of opportunity and opportunity is the name of the game in fantasy football. Uh, but you know, why, why am I low on Etienne? The, the biggest thing for me is just how he deals with contact. And, you know, you see people say like, Oh, you know, he has great contact balance. And I think that they're, what they're, what they're seeing with that is he's pretty good at altering his speed and he has good burst to where he can, he can get the angle on defensive backs and linebackers. And so he can make the tackling angle awkward. And then it's sort of a lunging arm tackle where they just sort of barely touch his legs. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see that as great contact balance. I see that as more of a reflection of his burst. And I think his burst mm-hmm. is what really uh, stands out. So what, what bothers me about it more so is just, you know, he really tends to slow down. So he'll come into contact and he, he sort of stops his feet and often tries to spin. And I think when guys do slow down and try to spin a lot, that one, it's a sign of, uh, you know, not not great control, sort of footwork control uh, and change of direction ability. But then also there's just a little bit of what I would say is, is, is timidness towards contact. You know, I don't really see him lowering his shoulder and trying to drive through guys that much. It's more of a, of a deceleration, make contact. He keeps his feet going after that. Um, but, you know, when we get back to the things that I was talking about with like Zeke, you know, with like micro movement, uh, you know, he's, he's not precise with his with his shoulder pads, his pad level, stuff like that. Uh, and then. The other thing is just, you know, his vision, like he has, it's not that he has bad vision. Um, I'd say he's sort of average in that department. Uh, and then when you get back to his burst and his speed, I think a lot of people thought that he was really fast, like Chris Johnson fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, when, when you watch him, I think what really stands out is his acceleration more so than his top end. Like his top end, again, it's not bad, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have game changing speed from an NFL standpoint so i mean i really struggle to see anything that's elite about his game even you know a lot of people talk about his receiving clemson threw him the ball a lot but it's not like he was particularly good at receiving it's like they just decided that because he's so explosive they want to get him the ball in space and i could see that i mean i I think in the nfl if they if he lands in the right situation, he might have that same opportunity. But when you're thinking of a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you know, he really earns his targets because yeah. he's such a refined route runner and he really catches the ball well. He tracks the ball well. You know, at the end, you get beyond like five, ten yards downfield. And it's really sort of a lottery ticket whether he's going to be able to track the ball and catch it. Um, you know, he catches the swings and checkdowns and screens with no problem. Uh, but I, I don't think that he's good enough as a route runner to where most NFL teams are going to say we have to get this guy involved in the passing game to the degree he was at Clemson. Yeah. Uh, but you know, his production speaks for itself. And so I think because of that, he's going to get a lot of opportunity. And I think that he could, you know, pay off in the right scheme, ideally somewhere with a good offensive line, uh, you know, running a lot of outside zone uh, would probably be the best fit for him. Uh, we get to four real, uh, real quick uh, on, on Etienne. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen what you're talking about. You know, I've seen other people mention it and I've seen the clips of it. Um, I guess where, where I have pause about that is, or so I guess, are you saying that he might be a little bit more of a product of the system and the scheme at Clemson um, with the, as amount, the amount of production that he had at college? Um, 
or is it something else? You know, like I guess the, you know, the alternative would be like, it really is him. He really is that good. He really is able to do all these things based on how the numbers look. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, when I, when I watch him, I don't see anything that's elite. I think when he came on as a freshman, he's, he was very physically developed, uh, you know, sort of a finished product physically. And he, for a college football player, you know, he is very explosive. And so when you have a good offensive line and, you know, his freshman year, that was the best Clemson team we've seen in the last three years. So mm-hmm. they, they were really a well-rounded team. And you look at the other running backs that Clemson's had on their roster, they haven't really had, you know, they've had a lot of NFL talent on their team, but not at running back. You know, Wayne Gallman was there and he's, you know, backup type in the NFL. And he was really, right. really back his last year there with Deshaun Watson. So it's not that they've had a lot of competition, even this past year, you know, the, the guys behind him were really not NFL caliber players, maybe, you know, some free agent types when they get there. But I think he's had opportunity. He's been in a good offense. And when you have that talent around you, you can really produce. And again, I think he's an NFL talent, uh, which in college, if you're an NFL talent, you're going to produce, especially if you have those surroundings. I just don't see the skill that is going to really carry him in the NFL as a top end back. I think yeah. that he's more of like a complimentary type guy, a guy who should share a backfield. Okay. Um, well, you, you're right. I was definitely a surprise. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And you know, like I said, him, but I, it's, I, it's I, not, it's not what most people see in him. And, uh, you know, film analysis, I really try to get down and, and chart things and make it as objective as possible. But a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, what people prefer and what people value in backs. And for me, I really value backs who have good feet, um, good balance and really control collisions and, and have a lot of skill through contact. So the areas that I most value are not his areas of strength. And so someone who, you know, really says, you know, I want a guy with burst. I want a guy who's, yeah. you know, has good size, um, you know, strikes those production boxes, then he can really be be their guy. Um, but, you know, getting back to the rest of the list at four, I have Sermon. So I, I also like Sermon and he's sort of the opposite of Etienne. You know, he doesn't really have that burst or top end speed. And so I think a lot of people are put off by that. You know, he's, he's a four, six guy. Um, but what he has is a lot of refined skill, really great vision. He can manipulate second level defenders, uh, you know, really smooth feet, great through contact. Um, and I, for him, you know, he's, I posted a video on him a run against Clemson actually in the college football playoff where, you know, the guy he's like, he's, he's Neo in the matrix. He's seeing guys coming from behind him. I think he's just a step ahead with how he processes the field that uh, again, in the right opportunity, if someone is not hyper-focused on what he doesn't bring in terms of that speed, that he can really be a productive early down back in the NFL. Uh, when we get to three, a guy that a lot of people are very high on uh, is Javante Williams. And, you know, you see the comparisons out there to Nick Chubb. And I see why people say that because the strength of Williams game is really that he's very, he's very strong. Uh, you know, he's a powerful runner. He breaks a lot of tackles. Uh, but I don't really, I don't think that he's anywhere close to Nick Chubb as a talent. And I mean, I, I really like Nick Chubb. Like he, he's, top two NFL running back for me. Uh, but Williams doesn't have the same vision, the same processing of second level defenders. They had, they ran a lot of gap schemes for him, a lot of counter. And the for those that are not familiar with what that means, that that's like a running play where 
basically the running back has to read one guy and, and there's like one option or another option based on where that goes, as opposed to zone schemes where, you know, you have two, three, four gaps where the running back has to decide based on, you know, where the D tackle moves, where the linebacker goes, uh, which, which gap they're going to attack. So it's a little more intensive as it gets to, uh, to, you know, what running backs need to process, how they see the field. And, it's not that North Carolina didn't run zone plays. They ran a lot of zone plays. It's just when they ran those zone plays, they ran them with Michael Carter um, because he has really good vision. Um, so and then on top of that with Javante, he's not nearly as explosive as Nick Chubb is, uh, you know, not nearly as efficient of a runner. Chubb's much more north-south, uh, which I like north-south guys. I think in the NFL, defenses are so fast. Yeah. Uh, that If you're going side to side, no matter how athletic you are, you're going to run into trouble. Um, number two is actually Javante's teammate, and I'm much higher on this guy than than most. Uh, Michael Carter. Wow, that's uh, you overall. And I mean, I, you know, I see why people are not high on him because he's not very big, he's not very fast. You know, people love measurables, especially for running backs. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with where running backs who have great measurables get drafted. Uh, but Carter, what he brings to the table are, are what I consider the things I value most in running backs and also things I think that are very undervalued generally in running backs. Uh, so it gets back to the footwork, his vision. Uh, you know, he's not someone who's running over a lot of tacklers, but he's someone who's very good at being precise with his pads, keeping his legs protected and picking up an extra yard or two through contact, you know, in a way that's similar to guys like Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook. Um, and I think that he has that type of potential. You know, I don't think he's as good as Dalvin Cook, uh, but Dalvin Cook has developed a lot since he entered, entered the NFL. He's not as big or as, as fast as Cook, but I think he could work his way, you know, if he gets an opportunity to be sort of a poor man's Cook. Because what I, what I think really stands out about Dalvin's game is just how much control he has. And control is not something that, may make sense for a running back because, you know, the offensive line is making the hole, the defense goes here and there. But when you watch Dalvin Cook play, the thing that that really stands out is he's never surprised. Uh, he always is in control of where he's going. He always is aware of where the hole is and where it's going to be. And he anticipates tacklers and is really efficient. Um, so he's dictating the terms, whereas I think most running backs – are running, trying to get what they can get within the terms that are given to them. Mm -hmm. And so I see Mark, Michael Carter flash that ability. You know, he is not on the same level as Dalvin. Uh, but again, I wouldn't expect a guy to be. And, you know, for for a college runner, he's one of the most advanced in those areas, just his, his feet, his vision, his processing that I've studied over the past few years. So what I really hope is that he gets an opportunity because sometimes those small, uh, you know, not as fast guys, just don't appeal to the NFL decision makers as well. You know, you look at Aaron Jones right. and he was a fourth round draft pick. So, right. you know, it, it could be tough for those guys to really earn an opportunity. Even Aaron Jones to this day is still struggling to get as much opportunity as most would say he deserves. And, you know, NFL decision makers are really tied to draft capital, especially with running backs where the talent margin between, you know, the first running back and the 15th running back is pretty slim. Uh, you know, it's hard to fake it as a receiver. Receivers have to get open, and if they can't get open, everybody can tell. 
Yeah. Um, and then number one, I'd say half of uh, fantasy football Twitter too is obsessed with uh, draft capital, especially when it comes to analytics and models and fitting into like that's the right kind of guy. No, I mean it's it's huge for running backs. It, it really is when you're talking dynasty. Uh, you know, as much as I'm a, a running back talent guy, I think that it's just less valued than than other positions. Um, and then when we get to the number one, uh, you know, same as Felix, same as most. I have Najee there primarily because of the of all the things that the Felix said. It sounds like we see him the same way. Like I don't think that he's an elite runner. Um, you know, I, I think he's good as a running back. But I, what I really like about him is just his versatility, his ability as a receiver. Uh, you know, you see him. <laughs> there's one play. Who's it against? It's from the college football playoff. I don't know if it's first round or second round, where he catches a little slant in the red zone. And Mac Jones just leads him into, I mean, he just gets obliterated at, right as he's catching the ball. He actually holds on to the ball. Not only that, he doesn't even get tackled. Uh, you know, he bounces off the tackle. He ends up not scoring because other defenders arrive. But, you know, he's a guy who's not afraid to go over the middle. He has great hands. Uh, Felix mentioned those fades. He's shown the ability to go up and high point back shoulder fades. You know, he has examples of that on film. So he's, he's really versatile in how he can catch the ball. Uh, and then I think, you know, what really stands out about him as a runner is his contact balance. He's, he's really a tough tackle. Uh, some of the issues that I would I would say I see with his game is that he he's so good at going side to side that he tries to do that a little too much. Uh, he'll try to he'll make some high risk decisions where he tries to bounce it out yeah, uh, when you know, really with a guy who has his speed and explosiveness, especially in the NFL. You're going to want him to make the safe decision a little bit more often and. You know, he, he's a very smart player, and so I think that he has the ability to learn and he'll he'll pick up because he, he flashes on film the ability to run efficiently and make anticipatory reads between the tackles. Um, so I, I think he'll develop that. It's just in college there's no reason to develop it because he's so talented with going side to side and breaking tackles that he, he you know, can pull off some spectacular runs doing that. Uh, so I think he has a very high ceiling if he continues to develop. Jay, when I think of like the way that Najee Harris can be used in the passing game, be used as a receiver, I don't, I can't think of another. Usually it's like these smaller, more agile running backs who are, you know, can be used in the vertical passing game, but you don't, like the play you just described, Najee running a slant, taking a hit, bouncing off of somebody. Like I, I don't, ha I can't think of another player that could be used that way that a running back that could high point back shoulder fades can you think is there any player that you can think of that you would compare that um receiving style to specifically at the running back position yeah for me it really reminds me of of prime Le'Veon because you're right he doesn't fit into that normal you know scat back receiving type yeah um but Le'Veon would split out, run slants, go over the middle, real tough receiver, uh, you know, run flares and, and you know, slot fades and stuff like that. And I wouldn't say he's uh, – he, like, would high point it as fluidly as Najee does, but, you know, made some nice plays where he really had to track the ball deep downfield. So, for me, the receiving comparison is Le'Veon. I don't think his running style is the same as Le'Veon's. Uh, you know, Le'Veon really developed – really excellent vision and very good decision-making as he sort of entered his prime. And I think Najee could get there, but I don't think he's there yet. Uh, but yeah, that's my receiving comp for him. Yeah. But I mean, I think it, it gets to, 
I think it gets to a point of with a lot of these running backs, they don't really fit those prototype boxes. And so what you worry about is that the coaches aren't going to see them that way. And sometimes, you know, Najee shows this on film. Joe Mixon is a guy who showed great receiving on film, but he doesn't look like a scat back. And so the Bengals haven't really used him that way. They use him as a first and second down thumper. When really, for me, the best thing he did in college was get out of the backfield and, and work as a receiver downfield. And so it makes you worry that if you don't have a coach like Andy Reid, who's willing to, to see guys for what they are and a little bit outside the box, like he made Jamal Charles a bell cow. You know, Charles is barely pushing 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. A lot of coaches wouldn't be willing to do that, but he would. Um, so you hope that he ends up in a situation where they say, you know, I don't care about the stereotypes. This this player is really good at doing this. I'm going to let him do that. Yeah, and, you know, when you're talking about Le'Veon, um, I mean, when he was holding out for his contracts like a couple of years, he – his whole argument was that he was basically the wide receiver two on the team after Antonio, you know, because he had that pass catching ability. He would, he, he would uh, not just slot up, but go out wide and, and yeah, catch a fade or catch something. So um, yeah, with Najee um, that, that was actually my comp to him uh, in, in our draft write up was, was Le'Veon Bell and, and maybe not um, peak Le'Veon Bell, like you're saying, Jay, uh, that I saw, but it was, it was the pass catching ability with the size, with the, what's now i think getting scrutinized in a way um with with the patience and and how he kind of slow plays his runs in the backfield um but i think you know jay how you're pointing out it might be a little bit more of he's trying to jump you know bounce outside as opposed to just getting upfield you know because that's something that i uh you guys are talking about what you value in in running backs not something i value in my running backs evaluations as guys that can get upfield and and you know i think we saw with like david montgomery uh that first year him trying to do too much of that bouncing and jumping outside as opposed to just getting a field and, and something I saw him improve on uh, towards the end of, you know, middle half of last year. Um, and something I think that like Cam Akers does really well at is like, just, you know, there's a certain point where the play's not really going to work out and you just need to get your head down, get a field, get those positive yards. Cause, and then, you know, positive yards is, is always going to be better than negative, obviously. Right. But, but having a running back that has that natural instinct to do that, um, in my mind is, you know, puts them at the higher tier uh, of running backs in the league. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I love that list. Um, yeah. The Michael Carter one. I mean, I, I listened to, to the last podcast around with Matt Waldman this week and, you know, hearing you talk about Michael Carter and, and I think you're calling him like twinkle toes, uh, you know, and some of those micro uh, movements you were talking about too, with um, that he has that like Zeke Elliott has is his way to, you know, to move or, you know, check, uh, tacklers off of him to avoid you know the little bit extra contact um so it's he, he's not someone that i've done a lot of research on but someone i need to do more on because watch more film because of you know stuff that you're seeing and this is why i bring guys like you on my show so i can get better so i can improve my rankings and 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 move guys up and down my list based on what you guys are saying and so um you know right now with with my top five um as it sits right now it definitely will change after <laughs> after this show uh but i got Najee at one uh, Etienne at two. Uh, those guys for me have kind of been locked in based off of like watching games throughout the season, like just not necessarily going back to the film grinding and and looking at tape, but just guys that have been kind of high on. And I was kind of that way last year with Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, just guys I love watching during the season. Um, 
And, and then for n- number three for me is Javante Williams. Number four, someone that you guys didn't mention. So now I'm wondering and like feeling a little nervous about why I have him at uh, number four is Kenny Gainwell. Um, and then number five uh, at Trey Sermon. And, and, and Trey has been slowly working up my rankings uh, throughout this whole process, um, partly from what you guys have been saying, what I've been seeing on Twitter um, and just watching his film. Cause like Felix, you said, you know, he's about, there's not a lot of bigger guys. You know, this draft has a lot of little guys, especially at the wide receiver position. So when you get those kind of like old school, typical NFL style or size players, um, you definitely got to pay a little bit more attention to them because at the end of the day, it's still a big man's game. And although these smaller wide receivers have infiltrated the game, you're still going up and getting hit by, you know, guys are 6'3", 250, running to 4'4", 40, you know, so, um, or I think that was my grandma that runs that, but, um, but let's go move on to number six through 10 um, and, and keep this moving. Um, Felix, why don't you go with, uh, yeah, either way, six or 10 or 10 to six for, for your next set. I'll just go the old traditional route this time um, because you will hear uh, your boy, Kenny Gainwell's name, but at number <laughs> Let's see. Number six, I've got uh, Jam- Jamar Jefferson uh, out of Oregon State, and number that, I'll seven, say that's got- my boy. That's my boy a little bit more than Gainwell. I just have Gainwell there, but I love Jamar Jefferson. <laughs> okay, all right. I've got uh, Michael Carter at number seven, Kenneth Gainwell at number eight. I've got Chuba Hubbard at number nine and number ten, and there's a big gap between number uh, uh, nine and ten. I've got uh, Javian Hawkins. Wow. Yeah. Um, was Javion Hawkins, was that Chris Sims, like number one <laughs> running back or number two, I think recently? He's was he? I, I think it is. I need to look it up. Um, it, actually, it might be his, I think it was three overall. Um, but we were getting a laugh uh, over at the Undroppables uh, DM group about about Chris Sims um, and his hot take rankings. But, you know, sometimes he's, yeah, Kyle Larson, like, number three. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's going to be a player that I that I like a lot more if he lands in San Francisco or or uh, New York, a team that's running kind of a wide zone scheme. That's where you see him have the most success at Louisville, and he is you know a speed back who you want to get that cutback lane, and then he can kind of uh, manipulate defenders in the second level. So, I mean, my six through ten, I mean, I have them ranked, but. I, I'm not. I probably will not have a lot of those guys rostered on a lot of my um, my dynasty teams because I'm just not um, a fan after really the top three or four guys in this class. Yeah. But those, those are my uh, six through my six through ten. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit of a crapshoot, um, and and very curious to hear what you know Jay's next next five. But it, it's I f- have a hard time after yeah that that top three or four. Um, and again, like I'm probably going to move Gainwell cause you guys don't have Gainwell five, top five. I probably shouldn't have him there either. Um, but it, it, it's, it, he's there because it's like, it, it's a little muddy, you know, like even Jamar Jefferson, I love him too, but he, you know, he ran slower than we thought he would. So he's not, you know, hitting that check. It's not checking that box for, for speed. Um, you know, I really love Chuba. I, I have no, you know, no context of Javian Hawkins. So, you know, I need to go back and watch some more, um, you know, but I guess of any of those guys that you do have listed, would you, you, you said you wouldn't have a lot of them roster, but is there one that you're higher on than others that, um, you know, at the right landing spot, you're going to try to grab hopefully in like the second or third round. Well, I mean, I think that JV and Hawkins is going to go undrafted in a lot of, um, 
uh, dynasty leagues, you know, your stint three or four rounds, or he's mm-hmm. going to go late in the fourth round. And so just that value, he's somebody that I can get on my taxi squad. But of these guys that I've just listed, I mean, I, I think it has to be Gainwell because of his versatility. Yeah. Um, you know, his speed and his pass catching ability. He's only 200 pounds, but as Jay mentioned, like if he goes to a team and they're there, well, first of all, he should be used in the receiving game. But if they're going to give him um, some some uh, first and second down touches, you know, he he probably has the highest upside other than 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 Car. I guess Car Carter at seven, um, but maybe he should move up. But I think Gainwell probably has the highest upside out of uh, this, this group of five. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough ranking. Um, and I feel like everything's going to be thrown, um, all over the place. Uh, once the draft finally hits and we get landing spots to add to these guys, I think it's really going to matter with this draft class. Again, like we talked about, that isn't super great. You know, it's, it's good, but it's not as, as, as we delved it, dive, dove, dove, dove in whatever uh, <laughs> into these guys over the off season uh, the the inconsistencies the the weaknesses have kind of shown um but, and Tommy, but- you know, i just want to add something here like you know so uh, because i'm looking at my rankings i already have these guys plugged in um to my nfl rankings so like you know i've got um kenny gainwell as RB eight in this class, but I have him as running back 35 overall. Um, Just by comparison, I've got Javion Hawkins at number 10. I've got him at running back 54 overall. So, you know, I don't see these as players that you're going to be starting at least right away uh, in, in fantasy. So, well, like you say, it's great to have some of these guys on the taxi squad, you know, and and why I you know want to talk about not just the guys that everyone talks about, the top guys, because if you hear it on this pod and you have, oh, okay, Javion Hawkins, that's someone I need to keep an eye on. You stash him, and then all of a sudden he's a starter one week uh, out of the blue for whatever reason, so people get hurt or COVID round two hopefully never happens, but, you know, something uh, that you can pull him off the taxi and throw him in there. Um, but yeah, that that's I I have my dynasty rankings too, and um, these rookies are in there before before landing spot. Um, but yeah, for me, Javian needs to move way up, um, or just someone I need to keep on, on my radar a little bit more. Um, Jay, who do you got for the next uh, six through ten? I'll go top down like Felix. Uh, so starting at six, uh, same thing, Jamar Jefferson, a uh, guy that I, I think you know. He didn't time well, but on film, he, he's explosive. You know, he's running out. He's outrunning defensive backs. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just his efficiency, his great vision, uh, decision-making, especially on zone runs. Uh, some of the more inside, like outside zone runs, some of the more inside stuff, he struggles a little bit. Uh, you know, not a big side-to-side guy, but I sort of like that, I think, in the right system. Uh, you know, if he goes to a place like Green Bay, you know, they brought back Aaron Jones, so less likely. But but someone who runs that type of scheme, like uh, San Francisco, Green Bay, Minnesota, uh, you know, just to give you an idea of the type of offense he would fit in, he has potential as sort of a complimentary back who could have some big games uh, if he develops. Uh, After that, I do have Gainwell. And for me, Gainwell is a guy I would have liked to have seen play another year uh, just because, you know, his, his only year playing running back basically was the year we have on film 2019. And he looks to me like a guy who's good at everything, but not great at anything. And yeah. I think a lot of that is just that he's learning the position. The position. Uh, probably the best thing he does for me is, is he's a very good open field runner. 
you know, good vision in the open field, uh, can break tackles a little bit better than what I think he's given credit for. You know, he doesn't have that top end. He doesn't have amazing burst, but just so versatile. And I think that a lot of his issues probably would have been addressed with another year. Like as a receiver, I think he has the talent to do it, but his, his routes, you know, weren't necessarily super crisp. And I worry that if he doesn't get better as a route runner, he may not be good enough to get uh, enough opportunity, you know, enough targets to really make a difference from a fantasy perspective. But I don't yeah. think that it's, it's, it's that he can't, I think it's just, he was learning the position, you know, he played quarterback in high school. Uh, and I think with another year on film, he probably would have answered a lot of those questions, but it just makes it a bit harder of a projection. Um, after Gainwell, I got Chuba, uh, you know, another efficient runner, great vision, very explosive, uh, linear, linear runner. I really like him. It's just, you know, the guy goes down with a breath. Like, you know, if you <laughs> if you touch him with a finger on the foot, he's going to fall down. And so I just wish that he had a little bit better contact balance, ran with better feet through traffic. Uh, you just see him get tripped up a lot. So I think that's that's going to be a big problem for him at the next level. Um, but as a complimentary guy, I think he'll he'll break off some big runs, one because of his speed, but also just because of his vision and his running style. Um, after that, at nine, I'll put uh, Ramondre. And I think Ramondre has potential, you know, have very atypical career path in college that you guys already touched on. Uh and one thing that actually concerns me is like there's always an issue, right? That whether it's an injury or suspension, uh, you know, transferring from JUCO, um, there's always something. And you say, well, what's going on? Why is there always something? And not saying that he's doing anything wrong. I don't know enough about him. I never talked to the guy. Uh, but just as someone who doesn't get to know these guys, you wonder, you know, how how is he going to improve that reliability as we go forward? And I think it's a great sign that he got in really good shape for his pro day. Uh because he never really, you know, I talked about this on the pod that you referenced a couple times with Matt recently. He never really had an opportunity to be consistent in a program and get in shape. And the fact that he's seems to be doing that now, I think, is a good sign. Um, he's great in pass protection, so I think he'll have a role in the NFL. Um, he can catch the ball, you know, has a lot of physical talent, really has that, like Felix said, that ability to go lateral, you know, much more agile than your typical 230, 240 pound runner. Uh, what I'd like to see with him, though, is just that efficiency. And I, I think that he really uh, struggled at times uh, processing the second level. Like he, he would get surprised by linebackers when they show up in the hole at times, uh, just when I watch him on film. So I think just, you know, with more experience of the, the speed of the game, I think he could really improve in that area. And I th like I said, I think he'll have a role because what he brings in the passing game to start, and then he can sort of grow into it as a runner. And the talents there just has to develop uh, the decision-making and processing. At 10, I have a, you know, I'll go with a bit of a sleeper, Khalil Herbert. Um, yeah, nice. You know, he's, he's 10, so I'm not super high on him, but I think that if things fall right, he can, he can be a guy, especially in the early downs. You know, very good vision, good footwork, uh, good decision maker. My issues with him are, are that he's another guy who doesn't have a ton of burst, uh, you know, not really even going to outrun linebackers in the open field. And then also at times he seems to shy away from contact, especially in the pass game and pass protection. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what I have at number 10. Nice. Yeah, I like Herbert. Um, he, he just misses the top 10 for me. Um you know, the, the comment about Chuba, um, and it's one I've seen 
a, a bit on Twitter and, and, and I've watched a lot. I, I really, uh, you know, I, I just said, uh, I told Felix, like, like Jamar's my boy, actually a, a bit of a Chuba, uh, Homer. Um, I have really liked his game since, um, since 2019 and obviously 2020 was what it was. Um, but, but he, you know, he really popped off, um, um, uh, the screen for me and, and someone I've always liked. And so I, <clears throat> I get the argument about him not having great contact balance and falling down easily and not being hard to take down. But one thing I did notice is that Oklahoma state used them a ton at the goal line. And for someone that has the argument of that, he has a hard time, you know, staying up and, and not great contact balance. I, I just, which I do see, and I do understand the argument for, um, you know, the fact that they used him so much at the goal line, he was successful in the goal line, getting uh short yard as touchdowns. I guess for me, it kind of, I don't know, it, like it doesn't mesh as much. Like, did you guys see the same thing or, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like when he's, he's being used so much, or like, or I guess, does it not even matter? The fact that he used them, they used them at the goal line. Um, You know, he's still not, he's still not breaking tackles. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think they use him at the goal line. He's still not breaking tackles. <laughs> okay. But that doesn't mean that it was a bad decision. I mean, he's, yeah. he has great vision. He's a great decision maker, very efficient, gets north-south. Um, and that's a guy – those are guys that I like to use near the goal line, whether they're going to run people over or not. Uh, you know, Jamal Charles was a great goal line back, but he's yeah. not someone who's going to run over a linebacker or, or, you know, talking about with Ramondre, a defensive tackle. Like a defensive tackle hits – Jamal Charles Square, he's going down. You know, same thing yeah. with, with Chuba. And so, you know, just because he's not a thumper doesn't mean he may not be able to find a role. And a guy that I liken him to a bit is Philip Lindsay. And I think Lindsay has a bit more contact balance than than Chuba, but he's not quite as big. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in terms of being an efficient runner who really anticipates well. And, you know, I think he could have a similar role where he's really an explosive, uh, explosive guy in, in sort of a shared backfield. But I think uh, because of his size, because of his ability through contact, his ceiling is limited a bit uh, in, in, a, in the same way we see with with Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was just trying to, like, find excuses to have him ranked as high as I've had him. Uh, originally, I think at the highest point. Um he was like my running back three or four. Uh, but like I said, I, when I start my list before I actually dive into, to watching film and then backing that up with analytics, it, it's really just like, who do I like? Who do I like from, from watching college football throughout the season? You know, who, who do I want to start with that, you know, and, and, and my rankings change throughout the entire process because of that. Cause I start with guys I like and then realize, okay, these are actually guys that are showing it on tape, showing the consistency and, and, and who other guys like too. that definitely plays a factor. Um, I, I try to keep to my own uh, opinion as much as possible. But again, why I have guys like you on my show is to get your guys's opinion, share that with the f- listeners and, and hopefully, you know, have that formulate and, and play a factor into our rankings. Cause you guys are definitely watching a ton of film, seeing a lot of stuff and having a great process to your analysis. You, you know, Tommy Mo the, with Chuba Hubbard, I mean, he had that great 2019, and then in 2020 you have the pandemic, and then you also have one of their first couple of games of the season. They lose their their quarterback, um, their starting quarterback in Spencer Sanders. They start a freshman. Not only that, but, I mean, 
they're like one of their first couple of games was against Tulsa. And if for those who don't know, Tulsa has a really, really good defense. And Spencer Sanders went out in that game and they just kind of never recovered. He or yeah. uh, uh, Chuba just never really recovered um, after that because the, the offense was kind of stymied. So, um, he he's he's still a, a player that could find himself in the right system and and pop. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I say about the quarterback, because as I was watching Chuba and then watching Tylen Wallace, I was like hating what Tylen Wallace had to deal with because there's so many times where the quarterback was just like staring at the first guy, you know, and not going through his progressions, not seeing that Tylen Wallace was open, and I felt that this hurt. Wallace's production a little bit more. Um, you know, he still did well, but you know, could have been better. Same thing with with Chuba. Also had the thing with his coach at the beginning of the season, and who knows, you know, how that really messed up that relationship. If that really had an effect, you know, on play calling or performance or whatever. But you know, he was one of the most vocal guys about it. Um, and you know, they also said they moved past it, but you know, there's a lot of other factors that happen. And, and, you know, like you said too, with the pandemic, I mean, that alone, I, I think even, especially for, for the NFL and for fantasy, like, you know, I've been preaching people that had rough 2020s, like we can't really hold that so hard against them because it was exceptional. It wasn't a normal year. It wasn't like they went out and played regular games and, and everything was regular. And then they did bad, you know, if they did great. Awesome. That's great. But they did bad. You got to cut them a little bit of slack, at least in my opinion. Um, so for my top six, I, I'm glad that we're all on the same page with Jamar Jefferson at number six. I love that. That's he's been a little bit higher at one point. Uh, I think as high as RB four for me, but I think right around the five, six, seven range is, is a good spot for him. Um, landing spot could could totally boost him up a little bit higher. I got Chuba at seven, still still holding out hope and being a homer there. Michael Carter at eight, probably move up a little bit. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson at nine, and number ten is a guy that um, you guys didn't men- mention, but f- uh, for me, number ten is Elijah Mitchell. And because of you guys didn't mention it, I don't know if anyone has any commentary on Elijah Mitchell. I just really like um, his speed now, you know, and, and he was able to be pretty productive. Uh, for uh was it for louisville uh you ul louisiana lafayette so elijah yeah. mitchell um yeah very productive in that ul scheme um ul is low-key a running back um really good running back nfl running back producer for a, a g5 school raymond calais was a seventh round draft pick for the rams actually is in the nfl and then they've got two guys who have nfl potential right now in um uh Elijah Mitchell, as you as you mentioned, and then Trey Regis, who's a 220-pound back who can actually catch. And then the the guy that's there right now, redshirt junior named Chris Smith, is a speed back, and he might be the the best of them all. I like I saw Elijah Mitchell. He's was that that team always does well running the football. Yeah. Um, and I saw his his testing, and I'm like, okay, I need to go back and take a look at him. Especially, I mean, I don't you you don't scout helmets, but but um, UL has put some NFL talent, put some talent in the NFL at that position, including in this class. So, um, and he's number 11 for me. That's the, that's the other thing I was going to say. Okay. Elijah right there. number. Yeah. He's right there for me. Yeah. So. Are they the raging Cajuns? They're the raging Cajuns, right? Yeah. 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 yeah they are. Right on. I, yeah, I, had their, I wrote a story on them and I had their chaplain reach out to me and tell me it's not ULL. It's UL. Well, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's in that same tier for me. So, you know, same thing with, that Felix said. There's, there's, It's not a super deep class. So as you start getting down into the 8, 9, 10, 
range, you know, you have a handful of guys who all fall into that same category of if things break right, you know, that you can see a role for them in the NFL. Uh, but the sort of borderline roster guys, um, and, you know, you, you, you can name a bunch of guys in that category. And I, th- I feel like we all sort of named a different one. So that's right. That's great because it gives people exposure to, di- to different guys, you know. And so without going like, you know, OK, let's do the next 10. Um, how about just one guy that um, maybe depending on landing spot might crack the top 10 for you. And then one guy that you're like way lower on that you'll you just think is a total bust. Felix, let's start with you. Oh, you're muted. The guy who could be a total bust is is Etienne, um, because of for all the reasons that you've uh, that Jay articulated. Um, th- did you ask for a guy that I'm higher on than than? Yeah, most? but uh, but it, that you right now I, have ranked like ten plus. I mean, so this is the. Th- I mean, I'll be honest. So in last year's class, there were a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, UDFAs, day three guys that I like, Levante Bellamy, Jonathan Ward, Pete Guerrero didn't even, I mean, he didn't even get signed as a UDFA. It was like a couple of weeks after the season that he got signed. I don't see like that type of player in this class. I mentioned Trey Regis. I like his, his, mm-hmm. the combination of his size and his ability to catch the ball. I liked Spencer Brown out of UAB, but UAB lies with their um, their height and weight listings. He was listed at 220 pounds, and he weighed in at 208. Uh, Austin Watkins was listed as 6'3 and, and and measured in at the Senior Bowl at six foot. I mean, so I you know I, I thought that Spencer Brown could be kind of a two down thumper, but I don't have that deep. I just, I mean, Chris Evans, yeah. maybe Chris Evans out of Michigan. Um, but I don't have a guy that I'm super passionate about. Like I did last year where I kept waiting to see like when Levante Bellamy is going to get elevated to, yeah. uh, from the practice squad to the Broncos starting roster, which he did in like week 16 and then immediately got hurt. Um, yeah. but I just don't, I just don't have that guy that I don't have a, a number of those guys this year. It's Ramondre Stevenson who I'm higher on than most. That's, that's mm-hmm. the guy for me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you with that, that late um, undrafted guy, someone you're hoping for, someone you're, you're putting out there as a, a long shot. Um, last year for me, it was, it was Siwo Alani Lua from TCU um, fell in love with them partly because the footwork King on, on Twitter was just like working with them and hyping them up. And I watched his film. Like this guy's freaking humongous. He's huge. Like he can run. Let's, you know, see what we can, you know, what you can do and, and, we're still waiting. You know, he's, I think he's still uh, on the active roster for the Cowboys. Um, I hold a couple of shares in some deep leagues. And then, and then two years ago, it was Miles Gaskin. And so I, you know, I've done these last couple of years, uh, you know, kind of your long shot kind of candidates, like do a thread or an article on guys that I have planned to flag on, so to speak. And, and I'm right there with you, Felix. I have no idea who I want to do that with. I have no idea. I was almost going to switch to wide receiver because it's always been a running back who I think that can, you know, find a way. And Miles Gaskin was the guy. He found a way to get to a starting role. Hopefully, he can keep it. Um, they're probably going to draft someone, and he won't keep it. But um, I, I, that was, you know, kind of a victory lap I have for just seeing, like, okay, this guy's got some talent. He just needs an opportunity. I, I don't see that anywhere. Or, or if I do, I'm just like, I'm kind of just dart throwing it, you know, and, and trying to just pick someone at random um, who I think could make it. But uh, D- Demetric Felton is a versatile player out of UCLA. That- yeah. 
I like know, Dimitri. That 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 could be that could be it. But I again I just yeah. don't feel super passionate about about, about they're gonna, these lower they're gonna keep him at wide receiver, you know, when he's played running back the whole time, and that's seems like the natural fit for him. Yeah, I don't I I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, I, it was so tough to watch film uh, on Demetric, and you're seeing him run routes out of the running back position, but he's not running wide receiver routes. You know, so it's hard to like gauge him as a wide receiver because he's not running those typical routes. Um, I think he had a couple uh, will routes that turned into you know like a, a fade, but uh, and, it's and he was he was he ran as a running back at the Senior Bowl, so um, that would lead me to believe that he's going to he's going into the NFL as a running back. Yeah, I hope I hope he is. And but stupid fancy pros where I do my rankings as, as a wide receiver, so I can't move them. Um, Jay, how about you? Who, who's one guy that you're totally low on, um, and, and one guy that's outside the top ten you might be a little higher on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with a lot of what you guys said about. In the, I mean, in this class, it's like even within the top ten, there are guys that you don't feel that that great about. So if there was anyone that I was real excited about, they'd be in my top 10. <laughs> uh, you know, some guys that I think, you know, could have a role that we didn't talk about. Uh, I mean, I echo what Felix said about uh, Chris Evans and then also, you know, Larry Roundtree. Mm-hmm. Show some good stuff with vision, footwork on film. You know, I'm not sure he has enough to really stick and earn, earn a role as a regular contributor, but someone who, who could, uh, you know, make it and have a role in the NFL. Uh I mean, the guy I'm, I'm lower on the most, we already talked about it, is Etienne. Uh, and then I think that as you get down into, into the bottom, you know, there's no one that we haven't talked about yet that that I think is is vastly overrated. Uh, you know, Puka Williams is a guy who's been talked about a little bit that I'm not super high on. Just think he, he's very undisciplined as a runner. Um you know, just some bizarre things that you see on film with him, with his footwork. Um, looks like we're getting family bombed in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, guys. They're but, grabbing uh, something when they're out. I mean, I think I think this this running back class is just not super deep, man. So probably most of the meat we've already uh, taken off the bone with with what we've talked about. Yeah, Puka Puka's one of those guys. Like I. I don't know, maybe it was just the name or something. Like I wanted to like him a little bit more. Um, I just, I, I just couldn't. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's there's there's a diamond in the rough here somewhere, right? There, there's always a guy that's going to slip through the cracks, that's going to slip through the rankings, the prospects, the the scouts, and and totally just come out of nowhere. Um, I feel like last year, you know, that was kind of Antonio Gibson for a lot of people. Um, I think we we still covered him in like our top fifty, but. Uh, um, you know, I don't know if anyone really had him ranked that high, um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be a different. It's going to be an interesting draft, interesting draft class. See where these guys land, and yeah, I really appreciate hearing all of those rankings. Like I said, I'm going to update mine based on what you guys said. Um, I don't care if anyone else listens to this podcast. You guys are here for me, for me to update my stuff, and for me to get better. And hopefully, if people are listening to this, that they're getting better as well. Listening to two, these two great guys, and before we leave for today. We have a tradition here on the two-on-one fantasy sports to drop some free nuggets. And so why don't we start with Jay this time? Um, what is your free nugget for today? Some words of wisdom, advice, uh, either from a draft standpoint, uh, fancy, Debbie, anything. 
Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me in terms of how I would recommend people approach, you know, people listen to this or are listening to, to learn how to evaluate rookies, evaluate players, is again, you know, something I touched on earlier. Try not to categorize players as like my guys or good or bad, but really understand, you know, what guys do well, what they struggle with, and try to get to the point where you can then apply that within, you know, either similar players that have played those role on certain offenses or even learning about, you know, NFL schemes and just sort of the basic concepts that a lot of teams run and how that fits into what coaches want to do. Free nuggets. And then in combination with that, really find a resource on offensive line. Uh, you know, whether it's off-season analysis, who's gotten better, who's gotten worse, or, or there are people out there doing really great stuff, you know, on a week-to-week analysis level. Uh, you know, it's really an untapped edge, both for fantasy and then also even uh, within betting on football. Free nuggets. Uh, so those are, are my two things, you know, evaluate players on a, on a, what are they good at? What are they not good at spectrum? And then really try to, to, to find a way to evaluate and assess offensive and defensive line matchups. Yep. Love that. Yep. Shout out to Brad Wire FF from the Undroppables uh, for, for curating all of our uh, O-line rankings that have been showing up on Google uh, at like the top five of the list. So he's going to definitely keep those up during the season. And and yeah, th- those are great, great free nuggets, uh, Jay, um, especially uh, the not having the my guys, right? Like we, we all get into kind of take lock sometimes with some of these guys that we're high on or some guys that we just like, like Juba Hubbard for me. Uh, but we'll see where he lands. Uh, how about you, Felix? What's your free nuggets for today? I mean, my free nuggets are related to the class in, in, in and of itself. I know the advice is always you have to draft running backs, draft running backs, draft running backs, and rookie drafts. But this wide receiver class is so deep that I think it would be a mistake to force the issue at running back. I mean, we did we had uh, Dave Richard on the Debbie debate um, yesterday, and we did a two-round rookie mock draft. And like Seth Williams, Dime Brown, Tamari Terry, Daz Newsom, they weren't even drafted. Now, this is super flex tight end wow. premium. Not at um, all. Not drafted at all? No. They, well, wait, two rounds. No, two. two, round. two okay, rounds. just two. Okay. okay. Two rounds. I'm just saying, like, the, the, these are yeah. guys that should be able to get in yeah. the third round. And and quite frankly, I just don't know how many of these wide receivers I'm going to be able to – or excuse me, I don't know how many of these running backs that I'm going to be rostering in this class because the number of running backs that I'm interested in in this class is so small – but then combine that with I have to be able to get them at the value that I'm comfortable with, and right. quite frankly, that I'm I'm just not sure that that's going to happen. Like I'm going to take Jamar Chase over Najee Harris. I'm going to take um, uh, Elijah Moore over Kenny Gainwell, or the running backs like around that around that th- that area. So my like my advice, at least in this class, would is just to be mindful of that. Like I, I don't personally, I don't want to miss. Um, when and when I'm t- when I, with rookie picks, and I think that there are a lot of potential. Um, there are a lot of you could bust with 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 some of the running backs in this class. So, and I think, quite frankly, I think that the some of the wide receivers are safer. Hmm. Free nuggets. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I'm with, I'm with Felix 100 on that. I mean, I think that from the top all the way down, uh, you know, the wide receiver class is head and shoulders above the running back class in terms of just the quality of prospects. And then even outside of that, you know, you have some really good quarterback quarterback prospects at the top. 
it's actually a great year for tight ends as well. Everybody knows about Kyle Pitts, but even as you get down to, you know, two, three, uh, some real good prospects. So I, I wouldn't be locked into taking a running back. In fact, I would probably look elsewhere uh, because I, you know, I, I don't see a guy who's going to have a huge impact outside of, you know, maybe one or two. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, you know, somewhat dependent on draft capital, the role these guys have, but not not quite there in terms of the top end talent where the other positions you really do. And then the depth, you know, the receiver depth, as Felix said, is just it's, it's very strong this year. Yeah. I, and, I and love the tight end class. on the running back. There's like no depth, the running back class. <laughs> Yeah, those tight ends. What we get, like even down to like Kenny Uboa. Um, like, yeah, it's not just your your one or two. There's there's a few guys out there that that could be good. And yeah, that's one thing too. I, I totally agree, Felix. I, I've been um, tweeting out to a couple uh, couple times. Just you know, outside, um, you know, you're at like the 108, or just you know, outside the first couple of picks. If they go running backs, then you, you might want to just totally pivot and, and go for those high end wide receivers because there's a lot of them, um, and you can stack. Uh, a pretty nice rookie core with with some wide receivers that are going to make an impact. Like that's the one thing for sure. We know these a lot of these guys are going to make an impact, and um, you know maybe wait you know for for those dart throws at the running back later because who knows what they're going to do. So, um, but yeah, but I appreciate uh, all that insight. Fantastic free nuggets. Uh, and and before we we leave, uh, why don't you guys let us know um, where we can find your work, what what we should be looking out for, uh, Felix? Let's start with you. Um, you can find me at Sharp Review. You can find me uh, at campusdecant.com. I have, I mean, one of the things that I'm proudest of, I, we, I do a lot of podcasting. The Debbie Debate airs every Wednesday uh, night. Um, uh, you know, we've had episodes with with Alan True of 24-7 Sports, Dave Richard of, C, of CBS Sports, um, Brandon, Brandon Lejeune has, has, has been on. Um, but I, the thing that I love to do the most is writing, and I have a story pinned uh, to my profile, to my Twitter page, a profile on Texas wide receiver Troy O'Meary that I'm really uh, proud of. So I would, you know, appreciate it if y'all took a look and and let me know what you thought. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, some fantastic guests. Are, are you still doing the Sharp Review, your original pod? You know, it, it was. I have like I, I haven't done it in a long time, and it was so difficult to do and cre- required such a high amount of creative energy that when I do it again, I want to be able to do it right and do it consistently. So um, I, I haven't, but I do, I have designs to, to get back into it. Just don't, just don't, just don't know when. Got too much going on, man. Um, but all great stuff. Uh, make sure, <clears throat> make sure you're out there following uh, Felix at the sharp review and at sharp review. Uh, and Jay, what about yourself? Where can we find your work? What should we be looking out for? I really just want to plug the just one thing, and that's the Fantasy Football Astronauts Rookie Draft Guide uh, just released today over at FF, as in Fantasy Football, uh, astronauts.com. So FFastronauts.com. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, listeners are going to have to purchase or access through the, the Patreon, but some really great collaborators coming at these prospects from all different angles. Uh, something I spent a ton of time on. Uh, watching film, grading quarterbacks, running backs. Uh, so, you know, real excited about the product. I think I think it, it's easy on the eyes. Some great mm-hmm. design work. Uh, just a pretty cool resource. So that's that's what I'll plug. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at jmoyerfb, uh, as in football. This is where I, I post a lot of video breakdowns, especially as we get into the NFL season. 
uh, really try to do do some in-depth stuff there. So, uh, you know, that's that's really it. But uh, thanks for having nice. me on, man. Yeah, I I was very uh, very thankful that you're you're willing to come on my show and and talk with us today. Uh, and yeah, the fantastic breakdowns um, in the draft guide. Uh, it's worth it. I've seen a preview of it. It's great. Fantastic graphics. I mean, the graphics and the design, the look of everything that Astronauts does is really cool. Um, but the breakdowns and and your information on there is is easy to read. Like it's not. Sometimes you see these guys. It's like a, a wall of of text or or numbers or what you know but it's easy on the eyes it's easy to read digest that information and it's all quality content uh, so make sure you go and purchase that draft guide and so thank you both of you so much for joining me today on the two-on-one fantasy sports podcast presented by the undroppables make sure you like and subscribe below go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to not only the debbie debate and the fantasy football astronauts but also type in the undroppables in the search bar and subscribe to all four of the great podcasts in the droppables network of podcasts. Leave a rating and a review while you're at it. And until next time, thanks for stopping by the two on one. Peace. If you do this for me, you will be a made man. Are you working? Yeah, I'm working. My team is the raw, flawless, the synopsis as we go into the top. And really, there is no other option. Opposition start tripping. I laugh, they even try to top this. Embarrass competition like women caught in public topless. Toxic flows, I lock and low. Blow minds explode, no crimes patrol. Just fighting codes get broken by those that's supposed to be your bros. Blood is mud because loyalty is gold. Rolling OGs get blown. Guardian grow, bringing the heat like the streets is stone. Resurrecting real tracks just to kill this beat that's old. Unleashing beast. Saying cheese and royalties get so Bringing so much hot fire that I breathe out smoke Believe in achieving, succeeding over demons Trying to test me, give me a reason to take away air you breathe in Punch like punching your teeth in Confident, never conceded I clock in that race of cheaters Dashing and dodging policemen Leaking ether out the speakers like a faucet And taking flights to the cosmics I'm breaking up all this bread So I'm well fed in all my pockets Instead of killing your conscience We spreading important words like messages from ancient prophets Stop it, hold up and get a tighter grip of this Still spitting lyrics sicker than sip no physicists can stop the sickness from destroying phonies into increments I'm on a higher stage, lighting up like a fireplace Headed for the moon, it feels like my entire mind's erased Pushing heavy place, weakling still on that minor weight Sniper rifle flowing, working shots from many miles away Yeah